ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اتق دعوة المظلوم فإن ليس بينه وبين الله حجاب أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وسسفكتر عرضا الكرام بدلين اللس القرآن شريف from beginning to end is a book of hidayat and the various ahkam of Allah tabarak wa ta'ala filled in the Quran Sharif together with the Quran Sharif are the teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and this too is for our guidance the Quran Sharif is hidayat and the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam are also hidayat there are certain things that are in the Quran Sharif very concisely the details are in the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam on one occasion has Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiyallahu ta'ala an he expressed something and he said la'an Allahu al-washima wal mustawshima that there are various types of people who Allah ta'ala has cursed Allah ta'ala has cursed In those days, generally, this was something that women would be involved in. So therefore, he mentioned it in that context or in that gender, that those women who tattoo others, and those who have themselves tattooed, and likewise, he mentioned several other aspects. Those who try to change the natural appearance that Allah Ta'ala has given a woman, for example, plucking out the eyebrows and these kind of things. All this used to happen in the times of Jahiliyyah too. So in any case, one woman heard about it. Abdullah bin Mas'ud is saying that the curse of Allah Ta'ala is upon these various people. So she came, said, how are you cursing such people? So he replied and said that why should I not curse those who Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has cursed and it is in the Quran Sharif as well. So she replied and said, but I have read the Quran Sharif from cover to cover. Now, she had this thought in her mind that since I have read the Quran Sharif from cover to cover, I have understood everything. So that's what now she presented, that I have read the Quran Sharif from cover to cover. What you are saying, I didn't find it there. You are saying that Allah Ta'ala has cursed them as well. Wait in the Qur'an Sharif. You are saying Nabi Islam has cursed them. Fine, it's in the Hadith Sharif. So you'll present that. But where is it in the Qur'an Sharif? I don't find it anywhere in the Qur'an Sharif. I have read the whole Qur'an Sharif. So he replied and said, Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala an is among those Sahaba radiallahu anhu ajma'een who Nabi Islam gave special instructions that these are the Sahaba that should be closely followed. And the top of the list he mentioned Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala in terms of his understanding of deen, his faqahad, 
to the extent that Nabi Salaam endorsed that Raditul Ummati Ma Radiya Laha Ibn Ummi Abdi. What Abdullah bin Mas'ud is happy with, I'm happy with. In other words, he will only be happy with that which I'm happy with. That was the extent of confidence. So in any case, he replied to this woman and said to her, that if you truly read the Qur'an Sharif, if you had properly studied the Qur'an Sharif, you would have found it in there. So in other words, one is to recite the Qur'an Sharif, to understand the translation of the Qur'an Sharif, but the depth and what is in there is not everybody's ability. For that, Allah Ta'ala has already declared, If you don't have that knowledge, then you refer to those who have the knowledge. Don't take chances. Like a person doesn't take chances with his health. He doesn't take chances with that he opens some Google page and tries to now diagnose what's the problem with him. He's got a heart condition, whatever. He doesn't take chances with his health. So we shouldn't take chances with our spiritual health also. In any case, he said to her, that had you truly read it, you would have understood it. And then he recited the ayat of the Qur'an Sharif, وَمَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولُ فَخُذُوا وَمَا نَهَاكُمْ عَنْهُ فَانْتَهُوا That whatever the Rasul of Allah وسلم, has given you, hold on to it firmly. Take it on. Whatever Rasulullah has forbidden you from, refrain from it. So in other words, whatever Nabi has given to you, is from Allah Ta'ala. Whatever he has refrained you from is from Allah Ta'ala. So it might not be in explicit words in the Qur'an Sharif, but it is in this category of this ayat. It is in the ambit of this ayat of the Qur'an Sharif. That what Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has said is what Allah Ta'ala has said. So these personalities, the Sahaba Ikram, understood the essence of the Qur'an Sharif. And this ability was then passed on to the personalities of the Ummad, the Fuqaha, the great jurists of the time. And in every era, Allah Ta'ala blessed those who had that depth of knowledge with the understanding and the true, the essence of deen. And they presented the essence of deen sometimes in just a few words. Obviously, all the details are in place, everything is necessary. But to give somebody some direction, Give somebody some guidance. They sometimes encapsulated this essence of the Quran and Sunnah in a line or two. And Alhamdulillah, in every era there were those personalities of deen. Allah Ta'ala blessed with this insight. So among these personalities, not very long ago, was a very great personality of our very recent times. Passed away about maybe some 20-25 years ago. Hazrat Mawa Abul Hassan Ali Nadwi Rahmatullahi Allah Ta'ala had blessed him also among many others of the time, had blessed him with this very deep insight. He was a historian, Islamic history that he had studied was perhaps far ahead of most people of the time. And the scholarly works that he produced on this very, very deep insight and knowledge into history as well, let alone the mastery that Allah Ta'ala had blessed him with in all the other sciences of deen, so, he once gathered his whole family, and this was towards the latter part of his life. Now, he was from a family of very high repute, very high standing, and he was among one, one of those scholars in India 
who was very highly acclaimed throughout the subcontinent and even throughout the Arab lands too. So he was somebody that even the very senior Arab ulama also held in very high esteem. A person of that caliber, towards the latter part of his life, he gathered his whole family. And this was perhaps, could be termed as his wasiyat, his bequest. He gathered his whole family and he addressed them. And he said to them that, look, I have studied history in depth. And the light of all the people that have come and gone, in the light of their lives, especially those who at some times had enjoyed a lot of prominence, those families enjoyed a lot of prominence, or they were personalities in those families who had done a great deal of work for the ummah, for the communities, people who had been very, very productive, and then time went and there was no sign of anything. Then somebody else came, but now this rise and fall of people, of families, of communities have studied this very deeply and the summary of all I want to present to you that if you hold on to these few things that I am going to tell you now you will be safe and as a family as a community you will continue to flourish but if you slip up in these things then you lost everything now somebody who has had that depth of insight into history he's written one just one work tarikh daawat wazimat is in eight volumes besides that there's so many others person of that understanding and depth that person and very highly acclaimed person he is now saying that i have studied this very very deeply and now this is my tail end of my life don't know how long i'm going to be around now this is he's giving his parting advice so to say you hold on to these things and you'll flourish. Now many things in dunya, one is what the eye can see and what is what the heart can understand. Many times what the reality is which a true heart will understand is totally against what the eye can see. It's understood from many ahadis also that don't rely on what the eye can see also. Everything is not to be relied on what can be seen. We have to rely on what we can understand from the words of the Quran and Sunnah. Ma naqasat sadaqatun min malin. The Islam says, Sadaqa has never decreased wealth. Now, anybody counts and keeps counting. Somebody had thousand rands and he gave hundred rands. And he keeps counting it hundred times. He'll only get nine hundred rands there. That he's already spent hundred rands on there. And Nabi Islam is saying, Sadaqa has never decreased wealth. Now, he's going to believe what his eyes can see what his hands can count, or he's going to believe what is in his heart. The Iman is going to tell him that this has come down to 900 rands in numbers, but it has increased. What is he going to believe? His eyes will see something else, but he'll have to believe what Allah's Nabi Salaam said to him. The person who gave the thousand rands on a, as a loan, and it came back with interest. So now his hands are counting, and he'll call every person in the world to count it, First it was 1,000 rands, now it came back, it's 1,100. Everybody can count his 1,100. But Allah Ta'ala has declared it, Yamhaqullahu riba Allah Ta'ala will uproot that riba. 
forget that hundred rands, this has already, it's already hollowed that thousand rand also. It's a matter of time before everything just collapses. And collapsing doesn't necessarily mean that it will collapse in numbers. Collapsing doesn't mean that it will collapse in terms of what the eyes can see. The Quran Sharif, they are both sides mentioned. On the one side, Allah Ta'ala says that فَلَمَّا نَسُوا مَا ذُكِّرُوا بِهِ فَتَحْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ أَبْوَابَ كُلِّ شيء. Allah Ta'ala speaks about the disobedient people and those who had disbelieved in Allah Ta'ala when they forgot what Allah Ta'ala had commanded them. What the Nabi of Allah Ta'ala had reminded them. Allah Ta'ala says we opened out everything to them. It all came down pouring in. They counting and can't stop counting. Difficult to count anymore. But this coming was coming with disobedience. That wasn't Allah Ta'ala is saying. That we then opened it out to them. And another ayat Allah Ta'ala says, وَلَوْ أَنَّ أَهْلَ الْقُرَاءَ آمَنُوا وَاتَّقَوْا لَفَتَحْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ بَرَكَاتٍ مِّنَ السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ That had the people brought iman and adopted taqwa. Allah Ta'ala doesn't say we would have opened it all out to them. Allah Ta'ala says we would have opened out the barakat, the barakat of the heavens and earth. Now only opening it out, opening out whatever the material things are. And the other is granting barakat. Allah Ta'ala says on iman and taqwa will grant barakat. Then whether the number is big or small, there will be barakat. And without taqwa, it might, everything might just open out. But that everything opening out doesn't mean that is good. Without taqwa, without the obedience of Allah Ta'ala, that can very well be the bait to trap the rats. That can be that beautiful piece of cheese to trap that rat. So in any case, that what the eyes can see is not always to be believed and relied on. It's to understand with the heart what Allah and His Nabi Salaam have said. So therefore, in the light of the Quran and Sunnah, He says, I've extracted three things. Now these three things sometimes will seem like, this doesn't make sense to us. But a lot of things won't make sense to us in terms of logic, in terms of our logic. Because our logic is very, very limited. The depth of the Quran and Sunnah is beyond our logic. Human intellect stops the point where it stops. That is where Wahi starts from. So in any case, he then gave the three advices. The first advice he gave was, that, look, whatever it is, you rather be the oppressed, never be the oppressor. Rather be the oppressed. You are better off. But don't ever be the oppressor. Now, outwardly, this won't make sense to us. Why must I be the oppressed? Okay, I won't be the oppressor. Why should I be the oppressed? But now, often this is how it happens in dunya. That a person is on this side or that side. Very often, there's no, neither here nor there, in some situations that become like this. Because a person can't, he doesn't have that control. Somebody said one thing to him, he says two things in return. He can't have that restraint, that if he wants to say something, he'll just say exactly what was said to him. If he starts saying something, he'll start saying two things. Somebody gave him one slap, he'll give the person two slaps. So he was Muslim first, he became Zalim now. 
So very seldom a person can, generally a person stays within that limit. So now he's giving advice that rather be the oppressed, but don't ever be the oppressor. Becoming the oppressor, this is inviting the wrath of Allah Ta'ala. And then explains that in his childhood, his mother taught him this lesson practically and embedded it in him. She says once he was a little child and he hit the child of the maid. The maid working in the house now, maid is now not given that kind of position and that kind of uh, recognition or anything. So the maid's child even real, very little concern will be given. Now he hit that maid's child. Give him one shot. But somehow this message came to his mother. This is what he did. Now, in that context, in that time, there were that class of people in India who were even called the untouchables. They had no position in society whatsoever. Whatever happens to them is like nothing. Nauzubillah. So, this was the level. This is how it was. When mother heard about this, she brought him and came to front of that maid's child. She told the child, you hit him back. That child got so overawed, how he's going to hit this child back, the child of his employer, mother's employer. He just didn't have the courage to do anything. He's just standing quietly. So his mother took that maid's child's hand and hit him. Now he was a young child at that time, still a small child. But to embed this lesson, don't commit oppression. This is oppression what you did. And this oppression will draw the wrath of Allah Ta'ala. This is not a joke. One person was walking on the seashore and he's shouting out, anybody wants to take a ibrad, take a ibrad from me. Take a lesson in life, take the lesson in life from me. Somebody came up to him, what's your problem, what happened? What's so strange about your life that must take a lesson from you? So he says, see this one hand is missing. What the whole story behind this is, that once, while I was patrolling, I was a police person, I was patrolling, and on the shore, this person, one person had just caught a fish. Nice big fish he caught. I said to him, that sell me the fish. He said, no, I need to take this home for my family. I need, we need to, got nothing else to eat, we need to eat. So I don't want to sell this, I want to take it home. So when he refused to sell it, I just snatched it away from him. Now what he's going to do? I have the strength, I have the power, I have the authority, I have the might. So now these things get abused sometimes. So, I just snatched it and I went away. In any case, as I was going along, he says, that fish probably had a little bit of life in it or whatever. My finger got, it just snapped on my finger. But then I pulled it out and came away. Finally came home, had the fish, but later I can feel the pain in my finger. Came even more severe. Next day I come to a doctor. He says, your finger is already in an advanced stage of whatever we may call it, like it has become already gangrene. The only way is going to have to be amputated. Eventually it was amputated. In any case, if you don't amputate the finger, you're going to risk your whole palm and hand. They amputated the finger. After some time, the whole palm is now in pain. 
come back to the doctor, he says, well, this has now gone beyond that. You're going to have to amputate the palm. Amputated the palm. Sometime later, again, the rest, the wrist is now in severe pain. You know, the wrist is already infected now. You're going to have to cut it from the elbow down now. See, after that happened, I'm sleeping and I'm seeing a dream. Somebody is saying to me, how long are you going to allow everything to get cut? Go and sort it out. Go and sort out the harm that you have done. So now he woke up in a shock. Now he's thinking back, what I did? Something I did, and this hand was responsible. And this whole picture of that in scene of that snatching the fish away from that poor person, and how he must have went home, that night he must have starved, his family might have starved, and what might have come out of his heart at that time. As in one hadith, Nabi Islam says, Ittaqi da'wat al-mazloom. Beware of the curse of the oppressed one, the mazloom. It doesn't mean that he will say something. He might utter some words. But sometimes it's just some direct communication from the heart. There is no barrier between that baddua and Allah Ta'ala. That is instantly accepted. So in any case now when he woke up and he realized this is what I did, he went out and started searching around. Eventually he met that same fisherman again. He told him, please, long story short, he made amends, he tried to give the person some money back, whatever the case was, but he sought his forgiveness and everything came right. Now the zulm outwardly seemed like something came and went. The person did something and that's the end of the story. But Allah forbid that comes back to bite a person later. Allah Ta'ala gives some respite, the person make amends. Zulm is among those things that let alone the akhirat, it brings its harm in dunya already. Brings its harm in dunya before akhirat. Very often used to mention this one incident about this one person that he just suddenly abandoned his wife who had, he had now about four or five children from her just out of the blue. Abandoned her, divorced her to get married to somebody else and just abandoned her completely. And she had nothing to fend for herself. And at that time Allah knows best what went through her heart and what came out from her heart. One, two years he carried on enjoying life and then suddenly he suffered a stroke. Now that wife was already divorced and gone and this wife had only lived with him one and a half, two years, half his age. She had no time to now be sitting and taking care of somebody who was paralyzed. She disappeared. And there was nobody to take care of him and he could do nothing for himself. Used to be sometimes one person would come many hours later, once in a day, to see to him. By that time he's messed his whole self up. He hasn't had anything, been able to eat anything. And he carried on for a long time in this pitiful condition. Didn't even come in anybody's heart to make some arrangement for him. That was from Allah Ta'ala's side, that blockage came. That nobody could even think, okay, let's, let's do something for him, send him somewhere, pay for it, get it done. That didn't come in anybody's heart and mind. Why it didn't come in anybody's heart and mind? When Allah Ta'ala doesn't allow it to come in somebody's heart and mind, it won't come. Hazrat often mention this as a lesson. Don't take it for granted. 
there's things happen from any side and every side. But the issue is a person should be conscious. Am I becoming a zalim or am I Muslim? If I'm Muslim, Allah will reward. But let me not cross the line and get into zulm. Let me not become the zalim. That is now crossing into very dangerous territory. This was the first aspect that he mentioned. Then the second aspect he mentioned, he said, don't ever touch any haram wealth. Haram wealth, don't ever come close to it. Then he said, forget haram wealth, don't even touch anything doubtful. Any doubtful wealth also don't come close. Haram is out of the question. And even doubtful wealth, don't touch it. Again, the same ayat of the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala says that had they had iman and taqwa, Allah Ta'ala would have opened out the barakat, plural, barakat, unlimited barakat Allah would have opened from the heavens and the earth. That barakat doesn't require a material vehicle to be sent to a person. He must have first so much of quantity, then the barakat can come. The barakat can come in the minutest quantities. There have been so many incidents like this. One is in the time of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the Sahaba Ikram. Even in the lives of the fires, Allah Ta'ala puts that barakat that person can't, can't add it up. Like how sometimes a person says, I'm, I have so much but I can't add up what happened to it. I can't account for it. And I'm always broke. On the other hand, somebody says, Alhamdulillah, life is carrying on. Quantity wise, it's minimal. But Allah Ta'ala puts a barakat in it. On what? On that taqwa. There was a very great king who ruled India at one time. And not just India, from a very vast area. All the way from Kabul and Hirat and Burma, which is current day Burma and the Indian subcontinent which was not divided at that time. Talking about around the 15th century. Aurangzeb Alamgir Rahmatullah He was a very pious person. He was a king of his time. But let alone his any salah with jama'ah, he wouldn't even miss his tahajjud. Salah with jama'ah was without question. Being the king of the time, he didn't miss his tahajjud also. So there was another pious personality in that time, Mullah Jiwan Rahmatullah In Alamgir Rahmatullah's childhood, when he was a little young, Mullah Jiwan Rahmatullah taught him, he was his ustad. So he had very high regard for him, it was his ustad. And once in a while Mullah Jiwan would also come to visit him. He was the king of the time, but he was a very pious person. And on account of his piety, he used to come to visit him. So one day he came to visit him. When he came to visit him, as he was leaving, so he gave him one hadiyah. He's the king of the time. The hadiyah he gave him was one coin. Like in our context now he gave him like a five rand coin. The king of the time. That is giving hadiyah. He's giving a five rand coin. Nowadays even the beggar feels a little bit short changed. Just give him a coin. So it must be paper, you feel it. Now the king of the time is like an embarrassment to give somebody a five rand coin. But Mullah Jeevan Rahmatullah was conscious of this person's caliber. says this is not, this coin is, there's, some, some, there's something special about this. It won't be just any kind of coin. So he took that coin with a lot of qadar, a lot of appreciation, and he kept it. And then he came home and he discussed it with his wife. He says, this, there's something special in this. 
And therefore, we will invest this in a way that, that can have some growth in it. So they went and bought some eggs, fresh eggs, and got a hen to sit on those eggs. After some time, those chicks hatched. Short while, those chicks now grew up, and then they started laying eggs. And they started multiplying very quickly. And then shortly, they started buying some sheep and goats and whatever else, and then it went to like a full whole farm. So some people were observing this out of nowhere, suddenly in such short time, all this is happening. So as the mind generally runs, something is not right here. Seems like this person is taking some bribe somewhere. So now some kind of allegations and all kinds of slanders are carrying on. So somehow this whole news reached Alamgir Rahmatullahi king of the time. So he called him, he called him and he said, look, this is what has come to my attention, that something is not right here. You suddenly overnight, like almost overnight became so wealthy, people are saying you're probably taking bribes, whatever it is. So he replied and said that, actually all this is your barakat. So he said, what do you mean is my barakat? So then he said that, that day when I came to visit you, you gave me a coin as a gift. It's a small value, small amount, five rand like in our context. You gave me one coin. I'm convinced there was something special about that coin. What's so special about it? There's a secret behind it. When he just suddenly out of the blue said this, that there's something special about this. There's some secret behind it. Alamgir Rahmatullah broke down crying. She says, now that you have now raised it in this manner, so now I am saying it. So first he called somebody. He said, go to a certain place, like a place out of town. Some poor houses around. So go to a certain house and call that person and tell him, bring his accounts as well. He keeps a daily account of things. Tell him, bring that as well. So this person went and knocked on the door, called for that person. That person got a shock. Why am I being called? Maybe he thought, I'm not even registered for that or anything. So where is it going to be out of date? They didn't have that that time, but then he could, nevertheless. So, he came with all his books and everything, his accounts, wherever he used to keep it. So he said, look, there's nothing to worry about. I just want some information. He said, open your accounts back to a certain date. He opened it. He said, that day, what would you spend? You keep a record of everything. What you spent on that day, you bought something, you paid something to somebody. So what? So he gave him this, this. So he says that one, like a small, in our context now, we'll say 50 cents. That 50 cents, you saying there, you spent one 50 cents. Who you gave that 50 cents to? Or that, well, 5 rand now. That 5 rand, who you gave that 5 rand to? So he says, well, actually what happened was, it was late in the night. It was a very rainy night. And the roof started leaking. Mud house, mud roof, thatch roof, or whatever, mud. It started leaking. It started leaking. My wife got very irritated. That how many times I told you to fix this roof up? And you kept on postponing it. Now it's raining. And now the whole house is getting flooded. So he says, now I got that kabrat. Now I came out. So when I came out, one person was standing also on the side and taking shelter from the rain. It was dark, I couldn't fully see who it was. I just asked him, you want to do some work? He said, what work do you want to do? 
So I said, well, this roof has to be touched quickly. I'll give you something to go and bring this that mud and climb on the roof and do this. So he gave him something quickly, that spade, whatever it might have been in that time. So he went and carried on filling up that mud into that container and bringing it and he patched that roof up. Took him one, two hours to do it. So after that work was done, so he said to me, okay, where's my payment, what you told me you're going to pay me? Let me go now. I told him, look, I don't have anything now, you come tomorrow and collect it. So he said, look, forget tomorrow, I don't know whether I'll come or not. Whatever you have now, give it to me. Now, for example, the payment was 20 rand, he had 5 rand. Well, whatever it was, some small amount, that 5 rand coin. So he said, at that time I went home inside the house again, I looked, I only found this one coin, so I gave him this one coin. He took it and went away. He says, that's all? He said, yeah, that's all. He said, okay, you can go. He sent that person away. Then Alamgir Rahmatullah turned, now he's the king of the time, he turns to Mullah Jiwan Rahmatullah and says to him, that that person who touched that roof that night was this student of yours. So at that time, I wanted to do something which would be 100% pure and halal. So I decided, being the king of the time, I disguised myself, came out quietly, I'll do something, some khidmat of somebody. I wanted to just take the barkat of that khidmat. And this person offered to pay me something, I said, okay, fine, I'll take that payment also. Not that he was in any need of it. He says, that coin that he paid me, that was the coin I gave you in Hadiya. You're asking about the secret behind that coin, there's some barakat in it, there's something special in it. That was the coin. That which is 100% halal, tayyib, acquired without any kind of deception, without any other issues, purely in a way that Allah Ta'ala is pleased with, outwardly it might be something very small in quantity. Outwardly it might be just what that one coin. But that one coin will have something special in it. It will bring barakat. And if that quantity can be anything, but it came in a way, Allah Ta'ala is not pleased with it. It came in a way that is uh, transgressing the laws of Allah Ta'ala, whatever other issues, then the barakat of it will go away. The quantity might be whatever it is. But the barakat will be gone. So this was the second advice that he gave. That you want to flourish as a family, as individuals. The first was, don't ever be the zalim, rather be the Muslim. Second lesson he gave was, don't touch haram wealth, forget haram, don't even touch what is doubtful. And then the third lesson that he gave them, now he's gathered his family, this is the last part of his life. He's saying in the light of all this history that I studied. Now, this is again the depth Somebody who's had that sight to look at everything and just encapsulate it. Now that capsule sometimes is a very small capsule. But you see, no, the small capsule is 1000 milligrams. This is very strong this is. See, but so small this is, yes, very strong. Because there's so much of the essence of everything is filled in this. The extracts, sometimes the concentrate. You see, now this concentrate, this one, uh, 10 mils from here will, will make a liter of that juice. It's very very thick concentrates. It's the essence here. So likewise they presented the essence. And this is it for us to take on to it. And we'll see all the other things opening out. Not that the whole of deen is confined to these two things. But these are things that then its impact comes on everything. Its impact is across the board. 
The third thing that he said is that always maintain family ties no matter how you are dealt with. You always maintain the relationship with others. Now again, at, from the beginning we said that what our eyes can see that is something else. What the realities are that is something else. I can see that sadaqa 100 rands went, it's only 900 left. Out of 1000, 100 rand is gone. Count it 100 times, so you'll get 900. You won't get 1000. So now it's looking less, but Nabi Islam is saying it's become more. Now this is yaqeen. This is iman and yaqeen. To the extent the person has that yaqeen, he will take it wholeheartedly. So likewise here, he's giving this advice, that regardless of how somebody has treated you, you treat them well. And never ever be the one to break relationships. And this was something that he lived. Well, after all, this was a teaching of Rasulullah It wasn't something that he was giving from his side. He's giving some, as he said, capsules, in which the essence of so many things are filled into it. And he lived his life in this manner. It had become famously known about him that if somebody wants, suddenly wants to eat some mitai, now, in India and so on, mitai was very sought after thing, not so easy, a general person would be able to just eat some mitai. So it was known, you want to eat some mitai, then you must go and abuse him. You go there and abuse him, you leave with some mitai. He would call for some mitai, we didn't have it, and he leave, said, give the person that mitai. One person came and he carried on saying some things and saying some things. After he finished off saying, he said, just wait one second. He went in some fabric, some kurta material or whatever it might have been, which he had bought for himself. He brought and gave him hadiyah. Exactly. It had become like a common thing. People would probably joke about it. You want to eat mitai? Go and say something abusive there. You'll get mitai. Now, were they probably lost in this world? They had no idea how things function in this world. Some people say, you, you don't know how things work here. In this business, if you don't use all kinds of flowery language, you won't get any work done. You're out of, out of touch with all this. You have no idea how things happen. All the idealistic things, will leave it for somewhere else. Here is a different game, different ball game here. All these kind of excuses from nafs and shaitan to keep doing the wrong things. But the clear-cut things that we don't want to do, and we don't want to take the benefit of it, so they will carry on in that same cycle and cause harm to ourselves, cause harm to others, destroy our deen and destroy our dunya in the process too. So this was something which he lived by and after all it is something emphasized so much in the ahadith of Rasulullah in the Quran Sharif Allah mentions this in so many places and the ahadith are filled with it on many many occasions we have discussed the importance of this maintaining of family relationships, family ties, the various ahadith of Rasulullah in this regard, the guarantee of barakat in life, barakat in wealth, Nabi Islam is guaranteed in fal yasil rahima. Then you should maintain family ties, the person who wants this barakat. This is something which, it's a matter of taking it, accepting it without understanding it. Sometimes people come and say, but now how long am I going to be the doormat? Everybody must keep coming and wiping their feet on my... How long will we be in the doormat? Just today somebody wrote one email also that this is what's happening. 
and I think I should now fend for myself and defend myself and also give as it comes. So now, person now is saying that, look, I think I must do it also like this. So fine, you do it like that, you say you'll give as it comes, it might come more then, then you'll say I'll give more also. And then what's going to be the end result? When there's fire, you say, no, I'll fight fire with fire. Then there's a fire, one fire and two fires, it becomes an inferno. But if a person decides, I'll fight fire with water, then he'll feel cool also. Let alone others will feel cool. His heart will be cool first. Because he's doing that which Nabi Wasallam has already given that glad tidings for. مَنْ كَظَمَ غَيْظًا وَهُوَ قَادِرٌ عَلَىٰ إِنْفَادِهِ مَلَأَ اللَّهُ قَلْبَهُ أَمْنًا وَإِيمَانًا the one who suppresses that anger where he can vent it. Can vent it. It's within his capacity. It's not that he is now in a dominated position and is worried now if I vent it here I'll lose my job or I vent it here then maybe I'll be outside the house. Sometimes that happens also. Somebody says that I have to sleep outside. One person started making dua. He got very very overwhelmed whatever the halat were, the conditions were and he thought now I had enough now. He started making dua, but he didn't realize he was making the dua a little bit too loudly. He thought he was making it softly, but in his condition, he started saying it a bit too loudly. He says, Ya Allah, either take me away, or as he just still came to the O, somebody was there, oh what? He said, Ya Allah, oh me alone, take me away. So either O is only me, but... So, now he can give vent to it. It's not a position where he is unable to vent it. Nabi Slasun says that in that condition where he could vent that anger, but he restrained it. Restrained it for what? For the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. Not for any other purpose. Not for the sake of any dunya. Not for the sake of any other acknowledgement and praise. Allah Ta'ala must become pleased. Akhlaq, akhlaq is like a ball. You throw it on a wall, It'll come back to you. It'll bounce back and come back. But the one condition must be inflated. If it's not inflated, it's flat, it'll go and fall there. It'll just stay there. But akhlaq, if it's inflated with ikhlas, then it will come back. Deal with others with akhlaq, but for Allah Ta'ala alone. Not to make the person treat us with akhlaq. We're treating him with akhlaq, not to get anything back from him. Not even to get his akhlaq back. Only to please Allah Ta'ala. But if that akhlaq is inflated with the ikhlas, it will come back. The tables will turn. And it has happened and will happen. So Nabi Salaam is saying the person who restrains that anger in a condition where he could have vented it. Allah Ta'ala will fill his heart. Mala Allahu qalbahu amnan wa imana. Allah Ta'ala will fill his heart with peace. He's pouring water elsewhere. He'll feel the coolness first. Allah will fill his heart with peace and with the strength of Iman, the sweetness of Iman. So this is the prescription. So these three things are lessons that are commonly discussed, but very seldom this is all put into one package. And here this is a person who's seen all the studied this history of centuries and seen how people flourish, what caused their progress, what brought the downfall of people. And now as a parting advice, a person of that caliber, that status and position, 
as a parting advice, he's giving his family some advice. He packaged these three things. This is the package. Hold on to this, and you'll see everything else falling in place. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, give us a tawfiq, that we also take this package wholeheartedly. And we make amal upon it, we will be the ones benefiting first, and others will also benefit through us. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, give us a tawfiq. وآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين